in the very end of our lesson for last week, we had this to say, and I'm going to put this on the overhead. This is lesson three of last week before I get into our lesson for today. And uh, this was last week. And down here at the very bottom where my finger is, uh, you don't have this lesson unless you've, you've saved it. I don't imagine you've got it with you today. But it says this. Israel was a forerunner of what will come on the Gentiles at the end of the church age. And I want to sort of mention that to you a little bit because what happened with Israel, what happened with Israel is going to happen to the Gentile world. The Lord allowed things to happen to them that we might see what happens to them will happen to us. Now, the Lord brought salvation first to Israel. And then he brought salvation then to the Gentiles. He brought judgment first to Israel, and then he will bring judgment likewise upon the Gentiles. Now, I want to show you this in the scriptures here. If you look with me in Luke 19.41, and 19.41 in the book of Luke, and I'm going to do this very quickly because I want to get into to today's lesson. I'm, going, I'm talking here about Israel being the forerunner now of the church age. And it says here in, in the uh, 41st verse of chapter 19 of Luke, and when he was come, speaking of Jesus, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. You don't see it. You don't, you don't know what's happened to you, Israel. And what he was talking about was his coming, his coming. Jesus came. He was God Almighty, and he came and walked among, and it says that he have come to seek the lost household of Israel. And he went all among the Jews, and he healed them, and he performed miracles, and he broke the bread and fed 5,000. So they could say, this has got to be the son of David. This has got to be the Christ, the Messiah. This is him. But he was rejected. He was rejected mostly by the leaders, and the leaders, of course, led the people, and the people followed them. And here's what he says here in Jesus' words. He says, but now are they hid from thine eyes. Verse 43, for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even to the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave one in, in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And their visitation was Jesus coming into their life, into their world, in their day to save Israel as a nation, and they rejected him. And when they rejected him, and his rejection was when they judged him before Pilate and then said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. You take him, what shall we do with the man called Jesus? Crucify him. And so they pronounced judgment upon Jesus and he was crucified. It was after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection that he turned to the Gentiles. And I'll give you a scripture on that for just a moment. But this is something that you have to understand that the Lord would visit. Now, I'm just going to refer to that very quickly here. For instance, when the Lord would visit a place, uh, I'm looking over here in the book of Genesis, for instance, uh, whenever they were building the Tower of Babel, here's what it says. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will restrain them which they have imagined to do. 
Verse 7, go to, let us go down. He's speaking about he and the angels that were with him. Let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord went down, confound their language, and then it was called Babel, Babylon, Babylon, because they babbled each other. They said, hand me a brick so I can lay the brick on this tower. And blah, 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 blah. I don't know what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. And they couldn't understand each other. And every, every tribe spoke a different language. That's where all the languages came from in the world today. I won't get any further into that, but that's where it all started. Now, I'm only pointing out to you how the Lord came down. The same thing is talked about about Abraham, when the Lord visited Abraham just before Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is found in Genesis 18. And it says here in verse 20, when Abraham was bargaining with God as an angel, God and two other angels had come and they came to Abraham and Abraham fixed a big dinner for them and fed them and they were about to leave. And so Abraham was bargaining because he knew this was God manifest called theophany, manifest an angelic form. And he was bargaining with him. He said, you won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 50 righteous people. He said, no, not for 50, not for 40, not for, he went on down the line. And finally he got down, would you do it for 10? He said, I will not even destroy this citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 10 righteous there. Abraham never went any lower than that because there was, actually there was less than 10 people. Anyhow, this is what the scripture says as the Lord was about to leave. Verse 20, and the Lord said, behold, the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sins, is, sin is very grievous. I will go down now. Notice that I will go down now. This symbolic, God can see everything from up there. You know that. But it's a symbolic term of the God visiting a place. So he said, I will go down now. Uh, thence, uh, let me read it. I will go down now and see whether they have done together according to the cry of it which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And of course, the Lord did go down in Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels went to visit them, and Sodom and Gomorrah, after getting Lot and his family out, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah to the, in total ashes. Now, I'm only telling you that this is God's visitation. God visited Israel, visited Israel. And then he said, okay, because you have not known the day of your visitation, judgment will come upon you. And he, and he pronounced the judgment that would come upon them. That was also recorded in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, which we'll not get into. But the judgment were to come upon Israel, and they did, folks, in 70 AD. And it's all recorded in the book and the writings of Josephus, who was a Jewish historian at the time. And he records that when the Roman army surrounded it, and the Lord says, when you ever see Rome, uh, Jerusalem, rather, surrounded by an army, then flee the city. And all the Christians left out of Jerusalem. And no Christians were left in the city anymore. There were thousands of them. And they surrounded the city. And history says, Josephus records, that there was 1,100,000 Jews that were slain because they had come in there for feast days and they had trapped them in there. And they were very arrogant, very high-minded, and they defied the Roman army and said, you're not going to destroy us because God's going to deliver us. Well, God didn't do it because they knew not the scriptures. Jesus said, seek the scriptures, for in them you have eternal life, for they are they which speak of me, and so forth. And so the Jews then were judged, and they were, they were, they were completely leveled to the ground. The temple was destroyed, everything, 70 A.D. In 135 A.D., they tried to reestablish everything. That's just 65 years later. And the same thing happened over again by the Roman armies again. That time, a half a million Jews were killed. What happened to the others? They were scattered throughout all the world. That's why there's Jews all over the world today. 
because they were scattered. That was the Jewish judgment from God upon them as a nation because they rejected their Messiah who had come to save them. And then Jesus turned to the Gentiles. He turned to the Gentiles. Now, let me say something here. Look at, look at the scriptures with me, if you would. They're in the notes here, and they were there for last week. If you look in Mark 16, 15, most of you are familiar with this. Mark 15, 16. Uh, 16, 15, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Mark 16, 15. And this is what Jesus said. This is coming to the end of the book of Mark. And uh, Jesus was about to ascend into heaven. He had gone, he had died, rose again from the dead, been on the earth for 40 days, and now was fixed to ascend into heaven. He was with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Notice that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now this is a very strong talk, but if you reject Jesus, you Gentiles, go and get all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that's Gentiles. And if you reject it, then you're gonna be damned just like Israel was when they rejected Christ. And so he said that here. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, I read this only because I think most of us are familiar with, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, which comes from the Greek word glossolalia, speak with new tongues, which means speak in another language, which is what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You just speak in another language. You don't know what language it is, and some people still don't understand it, but let me just say this. I still, I don't understand it totally. I just know that one day I was praying and worshiping God, and I started speaking another language, and I didn't know what it was. And I still, to this day, when I worship God, I'll speak in another language of some type. You do too. We all do. It's speaking in tongues. That's part of it. And that's all through about 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It talks extensively about it. I won't get any further into it, only to say that the Lord wanted us to know that it all would begin with the Jews and it would come upon us and that we've got to live for God because if we do not and we do not believe, the judgment will come upon us like it came on Israel. To substantiate more of that, look at 1 Peter 4, 17. I think that's in here. 1 Peter 4, 17. Let me read this verse of scripture to you. And then we're going to get into some things here in the book of Revelation chapter 6 in just a moment. Look at 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come. This is Peter writing now toward the end of his own ministry. He said, for the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And he's talking before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, before Israel was destroyed. He knew it was coming. And he said, for the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God, which was the temple. And if it at first began with us, at us, that's the Jews, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? That's talking about the Gentiles. So what will it be about us? Now, I've just got a sort of an added, uh, an added scripture with that over here in Jeremiah. If I can read this one just very quickly. Jeremiah 25, 29. I'm going to read this verse. For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city, which is called by my name. That's Israel. That's uh, Jerusalem. And shall you be utterly unpunished? Ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth. So if the Lord would judge Israel, 
and judge Jerusalem and destroy the temple because they rejected Christ, the Lord saying, I'll do the same thing to the Gentiles when I have sent the gospel into all the world and the gospel has been preached and they have either believed or they have rejected it. And then I'm going to send the judgments of God upon them as well. Uh, I'll give you one other verse here, and then I'm going to finish up here. This is not in, was not in your notes last week, but this is in Romans. And uh, just to tie it all together, then I'm through with this subject here. But this is in Romans chapter 2 and verse 8, 2 and 8. I'm going to read 8 and 9 here. Look at this very closely. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Everybody see that? The Jew first, also the Gentile. Now he says in verse 10, but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So I'm just pointing out here that when I put in there that the Jews is a forerunner, what would happen to them and what did happen to them is a forerunner to us. So I am simply saying this folks, that judgment is coming on the Gentile world. We've had Jesus Christ preached unto us and judgment is coming. Now, I'm gonna hand out these handouts. If you brother, uh, brother uh, Matt Mason ushers, if you'll come very quickly and get these handouts, this is today's lesson. And I'm already uh, 16 minutes into our lesson for today and I may not get through all of it. But this is one of the most powerful studies that you'll ever study in the Bible here that we're gonna look at today. And we not, will not get through all of it, I'm sure today even. But this is looking at what we, what we call the four horses of the apocalypse. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Revelations chapter six and verse one. We've talked about Revelations, you know, one, two, three, and then four and five, which was last week. And we concluded that just then. And then now we're going into chapter six. And remember the book that Jesus took out of the right hand of him, of the lamb took out of the right hand of him and the throne. And it was sealed with seven seals. Remember that? Nobody was found worthy to break the seals. But Jesus was found worthy because he was sinless. He had no sins in his life. He had perfect perfect, uh, the perfect person. Praise the Lord. Jesus committed no sins in his, in his day. So he would, so chapter six is the beginning of the opening of this book of judgment, judgments, I should say in the plural that was being handed out. And, uh, these folks right in here still need anybody else. Someone over here need a handout two, three, four, five, several over here. Keep your hands raised, folks. Make sure that you keep your hand up. These folks get a handout. <clears throat> All right. And I'm gonna put that on the overhead above here. This is the book of Revelation. I'll show it to you and I know you can't read it because there's too, too much on there to read and too much to show one chart. So what I have done is I've broken this chart up into three parts. One part, two part, 
in three parts. So we're going to talk about this part over here, and I'm going to give you a chart up there that emphasizes that part, and it starts with where we are today. And if you notice here, chapters 4, chapters 5, we just talked about that scene. But now we go into chapter 6, and it starts with this very first one. Everybody with me now? We're in chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, i got some time. i got some very interesting things to, to show you here this recently come to me out of Washington, D.C. Anyhow, let me talk to you about uh, these things here. That's, this is the chart, and uh, this is what you're looking at. This is what you have in your hand. And what I'm going to do, knowing that you have that in your hand, I'm going to refer to this other one here. And uh, I want you to look at the very first one here, the, the uh, number six here, the yellow, the yellow picture here where my pen is. And that's the white art. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Everybody with me? And I saw when the, the lamb opened one of the seals. This is the first seal now. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, before I go any further, let me say this to you here today. This is a very serious and sober thing I'm going to say to you. This represents peace. This white horse represents peace. Let me just say one thing to you. When the rapture takes place, and at this point, the rapture now will have taken place. When the rapture takes place, God's people that were ready to go will have been called up to meet him in the air. The dead, in the, the, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air. That's going to be an upheaval in the world. I will tell you this right now. This church is going to be packed out after the rapture. I'm serious. It'll be packed out with people who didn't make it. And they want to come here and pray and pray and try to find God and find the Lord. It'll be too late. That's why you don't want to play around with God today. Today is the day of salvation. Now, there's one scripture, one place that says the summer is far spent and we are not saved. And this is about where we are today. A lot of people are not saved. They, want, they need to be saved. You have loved ones that need to be saved. You have friends that need to be saved. And we need to keep working with them. And some of them now are starting to get hungry because this virus thing had got a lot of them stirred up and concerned. But when it begins to pass, they'll go back to the same way that they were. They say, oh, well, we got a cure for that. Everything's going to be okay. Everything. I got some information here that things aren't going to be just like they were. I'm not going to go any further than that right now. But I'm just trying to say here to us here that this peace now will come on the earth. But I want you to notice something in the scriptures. I'm going to re look at, look, I want you to look at it again in verse 2. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow. See that? But no arrows. It's a false peace. And he went forth conquering. You don't conquer with just a bow. There's no arrows in there. This conqueror did not conquer because he had no, it was a false peace. I want you to look with me in 1 Thessalonians 5.3. Look in 1 Thessalonians 5.3. It's not in your notes, I don't think, but just look at this one. Here's what it says. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. 
as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. And then he says, if the road then goes on, say, you, brethren, you're not of darkness, but of the light. And what he's talking about, he's talking about a situation on the earth right after the rapture, because if you backed up to the about, six, about 15 verses before that, it talks about the rapture and the coming of the Lord. And as he says, for they, when they shall say peace and safety. So what happens is that after the rapture and everything is so confusing, they say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. Everything's going to be, we're at peace. The world's at peace. We're all getting along okay. We'll all work together. We're all in harmony. And everything's going to smooth out. And everything's going to be okay. And everybody say, yeah, well, everything's going to be all right. We got it all in control. And it's a false peace that'll come on the earth for a season. Everybody still with me? Okay. Now, I want you to look at the next one, the next verse, verse three. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that set thereon to take peace from the earth and they shall kill one another and there shall be given unto him a great sword. Notice the word doesn't just say sword, it says a great sword. And this represents a huge war that's going to come on the earth after the rapture takes place and there's a false peace that comes over the earth and everybody thinks everything's going to be okay now and everything's going to be in harmony. And then all of a sudden there's going to be a war. Now, I, uh, I, mean, I, I, I read only so much of it, World War II. I grew up in World War II. I was a little boy back then and I remember a lot of things. And so I'm very interested in reading about World War II. There were between 30 to 80 million people that died in World War II. In World War I, there was something like 20 million people that died. In just a, a matter of 50 years, in 50 years, in the first in that century, last century, 20th century, uh, they had all these people that died in the war, and it was horrible, horrible, horrible. I mean, I read about it, and, I, and some of it was malicious, some of it was mean-spirited, some of it was disastrous, some of it was just, I mean, it's, you, you cannot imagine all the angles of the warfare that was fought and all the people that died. And I've looked at that, and I thought, Lord, is that possible, something to do with this? Folks, that can't even begin to touch what the Bible here talks about. And here's why. Because through World War I and II, they never had the atomic, the hydrogen bomb, all they had was then was just regular bombs and it was devastating, terrible, and vicious. But in this next war, there's gonna be the bomb. It'll be in fact, at the end of World War II, as you know, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the bomb was dropped, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I think it was in turn. And so the bomb was dropped on Japan. You know well know that. Now, the reason I'm mentioning, mentioning all of that to you here today is because America has the, the hydrogen bomb. Russia has a hydrogen bomb. England has a hydrogen bomb. France has a hydrogen bomb. And it was, it was French uh, Jewish scientists who passed it along to Israel. Israel has the atomic bomb. Yes, they do. Uh, let's see, there is, a, uh, North Korea has the atomic bomb. Uh, Iran is trying to get the atomic bomb. I think India now has the atomic bomb. Some of you read that one. Pakistan is trying to get the atomic bomb, but they don't already have it. I'm just trying to say here, we're talking about eight or nine nations 
that have this bomb and among them there's bound to be some rogues that decided that they're going to just get started and, and, and North Korea always sounds like what about Um is that his name Um uh, a guy Um or some some young Um or something like that anyhow he he's always threatening he's going to get something started and he gets the whole world shook up a little bit and so forth and Iran has always got so much such a secret they said they don't know where they are and everything and I'm just trying to tell you here that the world in all of its peace and prosperity and trading that we all do among themselves there's an there's an uneasiness about it all and when after the rapture takes place and the salt of the earth has been lifted you know no you're not you're the salt of the earth and the salt of the earth has been taken out you know did you know they used to they used to preserve meat with salt you know salt meat they used to take you know butcher out cows or whatever they pigs and stuff and salt it down salt it down with salt salt was a preservative and we are a preservative of this earth the church holds back the tide of the judgments of God on this world but when the church is taken out there's nothing to preserve it and then all these things are going to begin to break loose so the first thing that happens here in this second seal that's broken there's going to be a horse that's red power was given unto him and said they're going to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another with a sword and a great sword it says now i'm going to move on in chapter into, into part five here this is uh this is the black this is the black horse it's blue on your screen up there and you see it on your notes there everybody see it in your notes which is c everybody's doing the c part c there now i'm going to read the the uh the, the third seal and when he had opened the third seal I heard the third beast say, come and see, and I beheld in lo a black horse. This one's black now, white, red, now black. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Balances in his hand, that's, that's famine. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for, for a penny. In other words, there's a famine that's coming on, come on the earth after that war. There's going to be a great war fault, and there's a famine that's coming on the earth. A famine that's coming. And folks, this world has not seen a famine like this famine is going to be that comes on the earth when there is absolutely no food. When a war is fought that, mag that big, and countries get in, in, into war fighting each other, and there is no harvest, they've, 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 destroyed, they've destroyed everything. They've destroyed this, they've destroyed that, they've destroyed that, there's no food, and then the family comes and there's no food to eat. And nobody has any food. And I'm, I'm not telling you, I'm showing you in the Bible where it teaches this. This is why this is the day of salvation, and we need to be ready to go when Jesus comes. And you want to be concerned about your loved ones and family members and, and friends, that they may get saved. And you want to try to help them to find the Lord. Don't be bashful, don't be ashamed to talk about Jesus to them. Some of them are more interested than we realize, but there come, will come a day that won't be, they won't have that, that chance anymore. So this is what will come on the earth. So it talks about uh, the famine that's coming on. And now look at the next line there in verse six. We're, we're in six, six, the very last phrase. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. If you have your Bibles there, right in there, the rich, the rich. 
right in, see in there, the rich. I'll show you in a few minutes where the rich comes into the picture. But the rich will survive the first onslaught. It'll be the poor and common people that would die like flies. Now, look at verse 8. This is sort of a wrap-up of those are first three things. This is verse 8. This is called the pale horse in this purple there in your, where my pen is pointing to the screen. And that is D in your outline. Everybody see that? D in your outline. All right, let me read this. And I looked to behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger, that's the famine, and with death and with the beasts of the earth. The beast is because that the animals will be hungry and they'll, they'll start eating people too. And that could be dogs as well as wild animals. I'm just trying to tell you folks that we cannot imagine what is going to come on this earth and everything. And Jesus is saying, I'm here for you today. He stands, you know, with his hands wide open to us. Come unto me all you that we are here late. But he will judge the earth. He will judge the earth. And if he would judge Israel because that she rejected the Messiah, don't think he won't judge the Gentile world when he's given us 2,000 years for us to hear the gospel. I know it's just our lifetime. But we've heard the gospel. We've heard it. You know, it's been preached unto us. God has done it. Praise the Lord. And so one-fourth of the world population. Now, I think somebody said there's something like seven and a half billion people in the world. Let's just bump it up to eight to make it easy to figure. Eight, one-fourth of eight is two billion. Think about that. Two billion people will die by the time you get through these four horses of the apocalypse. Two billion people, one-fourth of the world population. And I'm just saying, I mean, let's suppose the earth grew until it was 8 billion whenever all this will happen. And, you know, the Lord didn't come like tomorrow morning or something. But I'm just pointing out to you here the vastness of this and how terrible it is. And I don't think that we can grasp that. We were talking about that war thing and how the, you know, men will go forth and the atomic power and everything. Uh, a lot of us don't realize this, but there is chemical warfare stashed, stashed away. I've got all kinds of newspaper articles and things and magazine articles on the chemical warfare that we have stashed up. Here's another one, germ warfare. These are things that were outlawed in World War II, as bad as World War II was. They, they, they outlawed it at the Geneva Conference that neither the, the, the Germanist side or the Allied side would use that. And so they, they did They did it some a little bit in World War I. They said, this is going to be too bad. We can wipe out each other if we start in that way. So let's don't go down that path. So they didn't do it. But they held back those germs. They got those germs reserved. We've got them reserved in, in, in arsenals, kept away in little labs and things. I mean, I got articles on it. I can read it to you. I can, I can tell you about it. And then we have Russia has. And, and, and these other countries have that have access to it. That's germ war. That's, that's uh, chemical warfare, germ warfare. I'm just trying to say here, folks, we cannot imagine how terrible that this world can become when the Lord has taken his church out. You don't want to miss the rapture. I don't say all of these things to scare us. 
I say them all that we might understand this is one thing you don't want to do is miss the coming of the Lord. There's nothing out in this world worth missing the coming of the Lord over. You say, oh, Brother Myers, I don't believe all that stuff. Okay, fine. He said, he that believeth not shall be damned. It's going to happen, you know. You, gotta, you believe and you're baptized and you walk with God and serve the Lord, live with the Lord. Praise the Lord, have his spirit. Amen. Be baptized in water and the spirit. Have all of it. And walk with God and serve the Lord and love God. God will make you happy in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. Praise the Lord. Amen. But these things are coming on the earth. And I know that they're very, you know, touch and go when we talk about it and read about it and so forth. So one fourth of the world will die from the sword, from hunger, and with death, whatever type it is, and with the beasts of the earth. Now, look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. This is the fifth seal. And on your charts that you have in your, your paper there, this is number two. Number one was verses one, one, six, one through eight. Now we're at number two here. And uh, this is the tribulation martyrs. I want to show you something here. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony in which they held. Oh, Brother Myers, who are those? I thought you said the church was in heaven. They are. They are. These are tribulation saints. Tribulation saints. These are people that will be killed in the tribulation period for the word of God, the testimony which they hold. And I, I mention this to you because there will be people who will turn to God in the tribulation period and will give their life for their testimony in the word of God. It'll take their life to do it. I'm going to show you some things in just a moment. Look at verse 10. They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So these are people that will turn to Jesus, turn to Christ, try to turn to Christ after the rapture takes place. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So there's going to be more of them. Okay. So you say, what about, who are these people here? If this is not the church. These are people, folks, that have a measure of Christianity. I believe that they have a measure of Christianity. They know about Jesus, but they do not have the knowledge to know that you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name and revealed with the Holy Ghost or enough of it to understand that this is what you've got to do to be saved. You've seen these big crusades, you know, where they have big crusades and somebody speaks and people walk down the altar. There's a lot of people that try to live a Christian life to a measure, but whatever they hear, they think that's all you have to do. So they're doing the best that they know how to do. They haven't heard the full gospel. They, maybe they've never read it. Maybe they've read Acts 238. <clears throat> I don't understand that. I don't know what that's all about. And so they just, but my pastor says I've been baptized, you know, in the titles and I'm okay. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, I believe on the Lord and so I want to do it. But after they see the rapture take place and God's people take it out, they said I was not ready to go. And so they are going to lay down their life in that tribulation period. Oh, well, that's so simple, Brother Virus. There it is. If I miss the rapture, I'll just give my life in the tribulation period. 
boy, I got it all figured out. So I'm going to play around with the world, play around with the devil. And if I miss the rapture, I'll lay down my life during the tribulation period. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That ain't going to work. I'm going to give you a scripture for it. You ready for scripture? All right. Praise the Lord. I want you to look over in Jeremiah a minute. Let's see. Where is it? Yeah, I got it. Jeremiah 12, 5. Where is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Jeremiah 12, 5. Look at this verse of scripture. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Which simply means, if you cannot cross the Jordan River when it's eventide, how are you going to do it whenever it's high? How can you get across Jordan? If you can't run with footmen in a regular race, how are you going to contend with horses? Let's call them the four horses of the apocalypse. How can you contend with that kind of a thing? If you can't live for God now, how are you going to be able to do it then? Uh, I, uh, I want to just say here to you that the Lord wants us, praise the Lord, to be able to live for God and to walk with the Lord and to serve him. And he doesn't give us any second chances, folks. I just want you to understand here that he wants you to live for God and serve him. All right. And he wants us to serve, serve him now. And if you cannot live for God now, the Bible says in one place where Paul talked about it, I think it was, uh, about running with a footman, running like running a race. Let me, let me, let me just refer to a scripture here. Here's, here's uh, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If you cannot run with footmen, how can you contend with horses? If you can't run this race you know, with footmen, you're not going to be able to handle the horses. You know, we all understand this. And so he likens unto a, a regular race there. This is also brought out over in 1 Corinthians chapter nine and verse 24 know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize so run ye that ye may obtain he's talking about foot you know be like a foot race so living for god is like say contending with with humans you know being if you can't live for god hope folks when we've got a beautiful building to come to god and worship god in and we got air condition and we got heat in the winter and we got comfortable pews or seats now, you know. We've got, uh, we've got the word of God preached to us. We got teachers, preachers. We got, you know, all kinds of advantage. If you can't live for God today, you got people that will pray with you. You could come down to this altar at the end of these services and people will get behind you and pray with you. If we cannot live for God today like that, we are not going to lay down our life for the word of God and the testimony which they hold. We'll say, no, no, no. Somebody said, you wanted him, Jesus. Go, no, 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 I never, I don't know who he is. You'd be like, like Peter, I don't know who he is. I'm serious. So the thing that I'm trying to tell you here today, get right with God, live for him today, folks. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. 
in Jesus' name. If you have not repented of your sins, just simply say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I'm so sorry for my sins and my transgressions. You say, Brother Myers, I got so many sins. It doesn't matter. The blood covers it all. There's, there's lots of sins under the blood. Let me say that. Everybody can tell you that. A lot of sins under the blood. And uh, the blood of Jesus Christ will cover it all. He died on the cross for everyone who will be saved, who wants to be saved. All we have to do is believe. And the second thing is to say, I'll do it. Obedience is the fulfillment of believing. It's not just believing, bang, and that's it. It's believing and acting upon it because you don't really believe unless you act upon it. If I said that, if I were to say to you, the building's on fire, but if you want to be saved, go out this door right there. I'm just going to point this one out. Go out that door, that door right on outside. All right. Number one, you've got to believe what I'm telling you is the truth. I said, the building's on fire. And you say, yeah, sure. I hear. Right. Yeah. And if you don't believe the building's on fire, you won't go out the door. Right. Because if you really believed it, you're out the door. So if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say I have to do? I got to repent and be baptized in his name and be filled with his spirit. So I'm going to do that. Praise the Lord. So I'm just trying to tell you here that today is a day of salvation. Praise the Lord. The Lord's coming back soon, folks. And I've got some really great things to tell you. I'm going to be going into the seventh chapter in a few moments. And I'm also going to talk to you about what's going to happen when that rapture takes place and all these hearts of the apocalypse happened. And I'm going to show you in the Old Testament where this is also recorded. I'm also going to, praise the Lord, talk to you about the rich. You know, remember I said a while ago where it says that touch not the oil and the wine? Well, I'm going to show you where the rich finally are affected as well and what happens to them. This is all found in the Word of God, and we've got some great lessons coming up. My time is gone. I won't go any further. But I just want to say here, don't put off salvation. And if you're not where you should be, Make it right with God. Anything in your life that shouldn't be there, get rid of it. Praise the Lord. Draw close to Jesus. The Lord loves you. He'll help you with any situation you've got. And he wants to help us in everything. And I've still got some powerful stuff to read you here about what's coming on the earth. Coming out of Washington, D.C. This is a newsletter. This is not, uh, and it's not junk either. It's been around for many, many decades. And, uh, there's some things coming down the pike that you need to know about. And I want you to know that Jesus is getting ready to come back for his church. And we want to be ready to go when he comes. Let's all stand together, give God the praise and glory, and thank him here this morning. You're a great audience. God love you.